Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Today's message is not intended for little ears. We'll be discussing some adult themes, and I want you to be aware before you listen to this message. Lehman Property Management Company has the apartment you will be able to call home with over 1,700 apartment units available in central Illinois. Visit them today at laymanproperties.com or connect with them on Facebook. Jay Parker is my guest today, and years ago she started Hot, Holy, and Humorous as a blog with the goal of helping others understand God's design for sex and marriage. Her goal is to help you embrace God's blessings for your marriage bed. And today she's going to elaborate on that goal and specifically discuss a less talked about subject, which is marriages where the wife has a higher desire for sexual connection in comparison to her husband. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Jay. Thank you for having me. Well, we're going to begin by going backwards. So will you start us off with a little backstory of how you came to know and follow Jesus? Well, I grew up in the church. In fact, I'm a pastor's daughter. And so I don't remember ever not being in church, not being part of a church community and not knowing about Jesus. I knew all those things and I grew up in it. But I kind of had some rockiness in my teenage and young adult years. So I would say that I kind of had to rethink my faith and recommit. Kind of fell off, actually, for a little bit, to be honest. And then I came back around in my young adult years and realized, no, this this is true. This is what I believe, and this is what I want to follow, and I want to commit to it. So that's, I think, when my faith became my own. Well, and your faith has benefited so many people, myself included, and you've written five books and published over 1,000 blog posts now. So from the many things you've learned along the way, what's your favorite list of benefits for married couples who are consistently connecting sexually? Oh, there are so many. I could go on for a long time about this because there are health benefits, there are emotional benefits, there are relational benefits. But if we're going to go with the favorites, I would say just the connection that comes. I think when we really, we connect physically regularly, we feel more accepted and we're in this vulnerable state. And so it's a place where we can share this mutual experience of being truly naked with one another. And if it's just physically naked, you're not really getting the benefits fully. It's more about being totally yourself, closed off, but open and giving and receiving and just that intimacy that you build. I love that. And even more specifically, Why do you think that you have become a spokesperson for the higher desire wives represented? That's a great question. And it's, first of all, because I am one. (laughs) Because what happened is that I certainly was very interested in sex. And I was well matched with my husband when we first got married. And 
I knew, though, talking to other women that I seemed to be more interested and more engaged in sex than a lot of wives. My desire dropped substantially after having kids. So I had about three or four years where things were not good. And I have since apologized to my husband because, bless his heart, I just was not into it, just did not have the drive I had before. But then it kind of came back up. And over time, I realized that. I had become a higher desire than he was. But when I started writing all this stuff, we were kind of pretty matched then. And I began my blog with the idea that I was sort of the fluke. I was really thinking I was writing to wives who really didn't want sex as much as their husbands. So I kind of bought into that myself because that was the prevailing notion. And those were some of the conversations I had had. But when I started expressing a little more that, you know, you could be a higher desire wife, I found a lot of women who said the same thing. And I just started having more and more of these conversations. And I realized that there are a lot of wives out there this applies to. And so, you know, I think it's uh, probably one in six or one in fewer couples. So it's a lot of wives out there. And I began to talk about my experience and share others' experiences. And I thought it was helpful that I had been all of the things. I had been matched. I had been lower. I had been higher. So I kind of understood the situation from all these different angles. I think that's what's standing out to me as well. Because as we kind of discuss higher desire wives or husbands, I think that's really helpful to think of the longevity of your marriage. You may have different seasons for each of these. So that's really interesting. And I think it's something that's not expected to have a conversation like this, because you're right, we've all likely heard this teaching that it's the husband always wanting sex more. But what do you think are some reasons why a husband would desire sex less than his wife? There are so many reasons. So I've actually been researching this for a while. I'm actually, I'm writing a book on this topic of the higher desire wives. And so I've been doing a ton of research and there are many reasons. So I'll kind of just give you some of the top level ones. The thing that's often mentioned is low testosterone. And while that can be an issue, sometimes it's not that there's just a low testosterone situation. It could be that there are other health factors that are impacting that. For instance, diabetes can lower your testosterone, obesity. There are some other things that can actually have an impact, medications and things that, that can impact his testosterone. So that's part of it. But I would say that there could be even an underlying issue below the low testosterone. But the others that I've really heard are purity culture hit men too. And so we've had a lot of discussions about how the teaching about, you know, not being sexual at all before marriage sometimes caused certain wives to suppress all their sexuality and they found it very difficult later to awaken that. Well, that's been true of a lot of husbands as well. And some of them also who may have struggled with lust or porn or something in the past, they just shut everything down because their experience was it felt like it was out of control. And so now they're in a situation where they could do it, but they're having difficulty feeling good about it. And the third one that I would 
go ahead and hit on this, but I could keep going if you have more questions. <laughs> but the third one that's a biggie is stress. And I think that we don't realize how much stress a lot of husbands are carrying, especially when they get to that point where they have maybe a household, uh, perhaps kids, they're maybe far enough along in their career that there really is not much further to go, but they feel that they're responsible for more things at the job. Maybe they're working more hours. And so a lot of this hangs heavy on men and the cortisol stress hormone can really affect your libido. It can lower your libido. And also just all that stress, you just don't have as much energy and, you know, it's just difficult to find the time. All those things are factors. Okay, that's fascinating. I really have never considered how purity culture impacts males because we're starting mm. to hear so much emerging about women and females and the damage that that did. So that that one stands out a lot. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I've always been taught that if there's a higher desire wife, typically that doesn't mean that she's the one with this supercharged sex drive, but it's more likely that her husband is the one with a lower than normative level of desire. So is that well, what you're hearing I, too? Uh, I don't know. It's It's kind of hard to say because Rather than talking about a high-drive wife or a low-drive husband, which is sometimes how we started talking about these, I've really tried to adopt higher and lower because it's relative. You know, if I had married someone else, I might be the lower-desire spouse. If my husband had married someone else, he might be the higher-desire spouse. It's relative to one another. Now, it also depends on how big the gap is. So, if you're in a sexless marriage and sexless is defined as having sex 10 times or fewer within a year, then yes, the lower drive spouse there has definitely has a lower than normative. And so that's, you know, then I would say, yeah, that's the issue. But if you have a situation where maybe the, the lower desire spouse would be fine with once a week, but the higher desire wants three times a week, well, neither is abnormal but it's not, but they're not in sync. Oh, that's good. And so then kind of speaking to the wives, what are some of those reasons from your research that you found that they may desire sex more frequently than their husband? Yeah, I think that a lot of what I'm seeing is that women who have had positive teaching about sexuality and positive experiences regarding sexuality are just much more inclined to be aware of their interest and arousal and engaging in those. Women who have had less difficulty reaching orgasm are probably going to be more likely to have a bigger drive just because sex is really enjoyable for them. So if you really struggle to reach orgasm, you may think, well, this is a lot of effort and is it worth it? But those women who have figured this out, and I, I say that because I think it's something that often has to be figured out. It's not you either get it or you don't. There are ways you can figure it out, but it is a process for a lot of wives. And also, you know, there's the seasons when you get older, a lot of women find themselves more interested in sex because they have fewer responsibilities with children. Uh, maybe they're less worried about becoming pregnant. 
And so those things kind of free her up to be a little more interested in all of that. That makes sense. And just going back to that idea of seasons, even seasons of the year, your schedules will change. I'm sure a lot of people, their summer schedule looks very different from the time around Christmas. Yeah, I was I was just laughing because I was just thinking how my, my husband's stress was a big factor when he was, we had more of a gap before he retired when he was working. And it was funny because we went on vacation and suddenly I was like, whoa, Where's, where does this come from? We, we just need to live our whole marriage on vacation because this is the season of being on vacation. You're really interested. <laughs> <laughs> uh, isn't that interesting when you change your place and your pace and yeah. the stress levels, how that can unlock something? But I also want to go back something else that you said that you've noticed that the women with this really good sound teaching are mm-hmm. more free or can enjoy this more. Any tips for the parents who have daughters or sons in the home oh, and yeah. how they can talk about this well? Well, my number one tip is don't make it a single conversation like this. Okay, we have to sit down and have the talk. Nobody wants to have that. Not the children, not the parents. <laughs> so I think that, yes, you do have to have an intro conversation to this at some point, but really you're going to have conversations about it and letting your kids know that they can ask questions or using things that you experience together to bring up stuff. Like we used to just be watching shows or something and I would say, huh, well, that's really quick to be going to bed together or something like that. You know, this is when my kids are teenagers and we're watching something where an unmarried couple is you know, but I just, I didn't make a big deal out of it, but it was, there was just ongoing teaching. And then I made it clear they could always come talk to me. And also that mistakes were not permanent. But I also just recognize that you're a sexual being, that God made us sexual beings but also empowered them to believe that they could really choose what to do, even if it was difficult. And look, I I know it's difficult. I've been a teenager. I remember talking to my sons. I raised two sons. But I think that sometimes we strike so much fear into teenagers about getting it wrong that they don't feel like they really can get it right. Hmm. I feel like there's a lot of things that are profound with what you just said and Going back to that, mistakes are not permanent. Isn't that the gospel for us, the good news of Jesus, that oh, he amen. He died for us? And if we believe in him and put our faith and trust in him, he does cover all of those sins and give a new beginning. So I, I love that reminder of grace. Let's take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. With over 1,700 apartment units available throughout Pekin, Peoria, Peoria Heights, Morton, Washington, and Canton, and with every price range covered, you will have plenty of options when you rent through Lehman Property Management Company. They have townhomes, duplexes, studios, and garden-style options located in many areas throughout Pekin. In Peoria, a historic downtown location and apartments adjacent to the OSF Medical Center provide excellent choices. 
check out their brand new luxury property in Peoria Heights overlooking the boutique shops and fine dining on Prospect. And in Morton, they offer a variety of apartment homes with garages, a hot downtown location, and now a brand new high-end complex near Idlewood Park. They're beautiful, spacious apartments with private garages in a quiet but convenient location await you in Washington. And if you're looking in Canton, don't miss Village Square Apartments. Renters may be excited to learn about their flexible leases, pet-friendly locations, and even mini storage units available in some locations. Lehman Property Management Company has a knowledgeable and helpful staff, including several employees with over 30 years working with this reputable company. If you want to become a part of their team, contact them about open office positions. They're also hiring in their maintenance department, so we invite you to find out why so many people have chosen to make a career with them. Check them out on Facebook today or email their friendly staff at leasing at laymanprops.com. You can also stop by their website at laymanproperties.com. That's L-E-M-A-N properties.com. Check them out and find your place to call home today. Okay, so this is the first episode that we've done specifically talking about those marriages where the wife is more relating to being the higher desire spouse and the husband the lower. So I'd love to know from the thousands of conversations you've had, what does this feel like or what might this feel like to a wife whose husband has a lower drive than her? There's a lot of grief, particularly because the expectations have not been met. So it's not just teaching within the Christian realms that a husband is going to be always interested in sex. You see it all throughout secular media as well. There's this belief that men are always gang-ho for sex. And so then if you get married and your husband isn't, the first thing she tends to think is, what is wrong with me? Because if all guys are interested in sex and my husband says he loves me, but he doesn't want to be with me, then there must be something wrong with me. And so there's a lot of self-doubt and then comes grief as you realize that this is not going to be what you thought it was going to be. That can last for a short while or a long while, depending on what kind of outreach this person experiences or what they've learned before. And so that's kind of one of the things I'm trained to do is get across to couples and these higher desire wives in particular, okay, so it didn't work out like you thought it was going to. This is not the end of the road. And there's very likely nothing wrong with you. And there are things you can do. So <laughs> we kind of try to get past the, the grief into acceptance. But I think that there's still a lot of just sadness and wishing that things were different. And there can be frustration especially if he is not willing to work on things. I think that's the big deal is a lot of guys, when they get to that point, they didn't know what to expect either. And so now you have two people who are out of sync and, you know, he knows she's unhappy, but doesn't make him want sex more. Well, and I would love to go further into those things that they can work on. But first, 
Let's also talk about the husbands and if they're the ones also experiencing this where they recognize they are the lower desire spouse, what can that feel like for a husband in that situation? So I haven't talked to nearly as many lower drive husbands. And I think that's partly because you don't get a lot of men volunteering that they are the lower desire spouse. I I have a, a unusual situation here and that my husband is like, yeah, go ahead, tell people I'm fine. (laughs) But I have gotten feedback from other husbands who are like, I don't even believe it. Something must be wrong with him or something must be wrong with her. And if that's the attitude toward these lower desire husbands, then they feel like if they admit it, you know, they're going to get their man card taken or they feel like there's something wrong with them. So I really don't talk to as many, but when I hear from them and a lot of the study that I have done is that they can feel like they're a disappointment. Like they feel like they're letting their wife down and they also feel pressured. And so it's kind of both things. Like a lot of times it makes him shut down even more because he feels like, well, I can't satisfy her. They have doubts about themselves too. Like I said earlier, the wives tend to think, well, something's wrong with me. Well, husbands tend to do the same, but they don't know and they don't want to deal with it. And so they might shut down somewhat. But as far as how it feels and and how they're coping with it, I think that there's a lot of performance anxiety in the same sense of they want to satisfy their wives and they realize they're not satisfying their wives. And they feel like this is something a man should do, but they know they're not doing it. And a lot of guys don't want to do something that they don't feel like they're good at. And so if it's a struggle, then some husbands will shut down more and more. And they don't really necessarily respond to the pressure that they feel from their wives saying, hey, why don't you want sex? Come on. And, and he doesn't know. <laughs> so most of them, some might, but I just think it creates a lot of pressure and doubt for the lower desire husband, even though if you talked to their wives, their wives would say, oh, I don't feel that way about him at all. I think he's wonderful. And I don't feel like he's not a man or he's, you know, whatever. I think it could be great. I just want him to try more, do more, whatever. So, but I I can understand why a husband would feel that way, given all the messages we have, not just in Christian teaching, by the way, but also in secular culture. You see a lot of media, a lot of TV shows, movies that act like men always want sex there. And so a husband who's not feeling that way just may feel confused and not want to think about it. And that's what I think you're adding so much value in this space. And I wonder how many couples are experiencing shame, like in in the darkness, keeping this to themselves. And so you said sometimes the couple may not talk about it, but how can they bring this up? What usually happens is the higher desire spouse, whether it is a husband or wife, will be the one to bring up the conversation because they're the one feeling the real, there's a loneliness, I think, to it. Honestly, they're they're feeling rejected and lonely and they're longing for something so desperately. So that's motivating them to pursue it. And oftentimes the lower desire spouse is 
not wanting to deal with it because it's laden with conflict and self-doubt and frustration and just bad feelings about oneself. Or it feels like it's relational conflict and they, they feel like, why are you always on my case? But it always, it almost always does get brought up. There's a question of how it can get brought up in a good way. And can you discuss this in a way where you can make some real progress? Of course, I think the answer is yes, but we have to kind of start figuring out how can we talk to one another in ways that are reassuring of our love and our commitment to one another, but that really say, we have a gap here, we have a problem, and we as a unit are going to tackle the problem. It's not there's something wrong with you or there's something wrong with me. It's there's something going on that needs resolution in our marriage. I love that that team of we're not against each other, but we're together and we're against this problem. Yeah. And can I add, there there's a, was an interesting couple of interesting studies not that long ago saying how if you have a mindset that you anticipate that there will be some challenges regarding sex, you are far more likely to weather them better. But if you come across something and you're like, well, this didn't work out like I thought, I guess we're just not compatible, you're not likely to resolve it because you you feel like it's an ingrained thing. So if more and more people feel like, oh, well, okay, this didn't work out like we thought it was going to, and it's even flipped here where she wants sex more than he does, but that's just part of this. Or maybe things are going along fine and then you hit this season in your marriage and then you say, oh, well, we anticipated that there would be challenges. And so we have to just figure out how to resolve them. That is fascinating because I think that turns us to how we can be proactive, even with our premarital couples and sharing different things that may come up or just the expectation that throughout your lifetime together, you will certainly face difficulties in this area, whether it's the changes with menopause or childbearing or, like you said, the stress levels, all kinds of different things. So that's really helpful. There is an exciting project taking place behind the scenes right now, and I would love to invite you to participate. I will give you more details as I'm able, but for now, here's my request. Will you email me your personal story of a specific way God has clearly shown up in your life? Big or small, I want to hear an account of the way he made himself known to you and maybe received credit for an answered prayer, or a way he worked out a situation in a miraculous way, or how he displayed his power in your life. There is no limit to the type of story to submit, as long as it's true. So please email me your story at this email address, info at thesavvysauce.com. I can't wait to read your story. Thanks for sharing. And you also said, going back a little while, that if the couple does talk about this, there are things that they can do. So what are some examples of that? Well, there are several things. I mean, first, have conversations about this, but have realistic conversations because one of the things that can sometimes happen is the hired our wife will be like, we just never have sex. And then the husband is thinking, of course we do. We had it last month. <laughs> so, um, so be realistic at what you're asking for and really focus on baby steps and say, okay, so we're only having sex this often now. Can we add one? So 
this is what I mean is if you're having sex once a month, can we add another time a month? Or if you're having sex once a week and you want it a lot more, can we add one per week or maybe one every two weeks? So just talk about how you can just add one. And if it's been a very long time since you have made love, then you may have to have some exploration. You may have to kind of reawaken your sex life and go slow and say, I really want to reintroduce intimacy, but I think we're both nervous about this. So I think we need to talk about it and maybe we need to engage in some flirtation and affection, even, you know, let's do second base a few times before we go to the home run, (laughs) whatever needs to happen. And just also what I talked about with the teenagers is true with your spouse as well in terms of just making it part of the conversation. Like you talk about your house, you talk about your kids, you talk about the bills, you talk about what you did that day. You talk about having sex. You talk about your sex life. Not as a serious conversation, not always as a, we need to sit down and talk about this, but more of a, hey, I had this thought, what do you think about it? Or I read this thing, what do you think about that? Does that apply to you? So getting that conversation going. And then the other thing I would add is, and there's always pushback about this, uh, but scheduling sex. Scheduling sex does not mean some boring, I'm pulling out my calendar and you're pulling out your planner and we're going to uh, write it in ink here and then we just show up and do the thing. (laughs) It's not like that at all. It's just like when you used to schedule a date with each other, whether that was, hey, next weekend, let's go out for dinner. Or it was the same day where you said, hey, I'm free tonight. Are you free tonight? We should do something. Absolutely. And that's such a practical application for how to kind of help smooth things over if the couple is mismatched. And it can still be exciting. You don't have to schedule every detail, but it is, I think, just a way to become one, even in your scheduling and your prioritization of this part of your marriage. Yeah. And, and the benefit too of scheduling is that the person who is less interested knows it's coming and can have time to mentally and emotionally prepare for it. And the person who wants sex more often, in this case, she, she can know it's coming. Like she can relax and not be constantly worrying. Is this the day I'm going to get sex? Is it going to be tomorrow? Is it going to be the next day? You know, even if it's like, okay, I know it's in four days. I really like it today, but I know it's coming. Then you can, you can kind of settle your heart and know maybe something will come between now and then, but for sure it's happening in four days. Now, that's if both couples were talking about engaging in conversation together But what if the husband is not willing to work on this aspect of marriage? Well, I think that there are several things you can do. What I always say is you can't control your spouse, but you can influence your spouse. So how you do that typically is to change your side of that dynamic. We get into the scripts with one another. And if you stop playing your role and you do something different, it often changes the response you get from the other person. So 
in in my case, for instance, when things were going very poorly in my marriage years and years back, and I tried all kinds of things. I tried to talk to my husband. We did some counseling. We did this. We did nothing was changing really. And to be honest, though, I will say that a lot of my prayers about this kind of started with Lord, if you would just change him, <laughs> then this would all be good. And so what I did is I changed the dynamic on my side. So what I started doing was just kind of acting as if, like behaving in ways that I knew would speak more love to him, even if I didn't necessarily feel it back. And I did some other things, but spoke his love language more, some other stuff. And I started getting more positive responses back from him. And so that kind of changed the trajectory of our marriage and things got much better there. In this case, if perhaps your husband has felt very pressured, then stop talking about it so much. Do other things like focus on your friendship, focus on affection, maybe flirtation, maybe see if there's something recreational he wants to do together, but invest in him in other ways that show that you're committed and you desire his whole person. And that might kind of start capturing his attention more. And then if and when the subject can come back around to sex, he may be more open to it. I also think just continuing to check in now and then with things and saying, it's okay to say, hey, I really miss you. I really miss this. I really wish we made love more. But saying those from that position of I instead of why don't you, we should, and those kinds of pressure statements. Yeah, that approach and that tone would be, I would think, more readily accepted. Yeah. And, you know, I'm certainly in favor of saying, hey, I think this is an issue. And I really think we should go seek some counseling on it because we've tried to work on it. and It's not really gone anywhere. And I would love for you to come to counseling with me. But if you don't want to go, I'm going to go ahead and go to a counselor myself to work through this. And at any time, if you want to, you can come join me. And sometimes this is, don't do this to manipulate, <laughs> do this for yourself. But sometimes when a spouse realizes that their beloved is going to be sitting with a therapist sharing the details of their marriage, they actually decide maybe they do want to make an appearance. <laughs> yes. And I would absolutely encourage that for anyone willing. I think that can have so many positive impacts on their entire marriage. I'm also thinking of another woman who may be listening. And like we said, this is not the most common sexual script we think of where the wife is desiring this more. So when they've received all this marital advice that is really geared toward the times when the husband is the higher desire spouse, why can they not just flip that advice and substitute it when they substitute wife for husband? That is what people get told a lot is, okay, so about, you know, 15 to 25% of the situations a wife is going to have more interest than a husband. So just flip this advice. And then they just go on and give the whole thing. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't necessarily happen. Some of it, you've heard me talk sometimes about higher desire spouse, lower desire spouse, and it's kind of the same either way. But other things are not the same. For instance, a woman 
whether she's lower drive or higher drive, typically takes longer to warm up. Even if she's interested in sex, it's going to take her longer. So she can't just do the things that a husband is going to do. And she needs to really have her lower desire husband give her that attention, the the long foreplay or whatever it needs to happen. And so you've got to have the advice with the lower desire husbands of saying, hey, you've I know this is, it's not just your willingness to be there and accept, you actually have to do stuff to help her get there. And so that's some of it. Uh, there's also all the things about, well, the lower desire wife, well, if you just put on some lingerie <laughs> and uh, that's not really how most wives work, you know, look, I'm a higher desire wife, but my husband coming out in silk boxers isn't immediately going <laughs> to send me to the moon. <laughs> so, um, so some of those things, they're, they're just not the same. And I also feel like, again, how we experience this feeling of not being as wanted as we'd like is different. So a lot of higher desire husbands, they expect to be initiating. They just want an enthusiastic yes from their wife. And now and then they want her to, to initiate. Whereas because of all the expectations, women believe they were going to be wooed and chased. And so even if he gives a yes, there can still be this longing to be pursued. Wow. And that kind of gets to the deeper level of the heart behind it. And I can definitely see that difference in males and females. I'm sure there's so much you could elaborate on there. But just as some final encouragement, how can the higher desire wives embrace their sexuality and the way that God made them? I think it's a beautiful thing, actually. For one thing, we are sexual beings. You know, Psalm 139 says that God knit us together in a womb and, and he He knows who we are. And so it wasn't a mistake for him to put this kind of sexual interest into a woman, into a wife. In fact, that's the beautiful picture we see in scripture is not just the husband desiring and wanting sex, but the wife as well. So when you look at Song of Songs, there's even a moment where she says, you know, all night I looked for the one I love, and then I went out to find him. So in this moment, she's the higher desire spouse. She's saying, hey, where are you? I want to make love. And so it's a good thing from God. And we need to just recognize that it's a gift. And not only is it a gift to you, but it could really be the gift to your marriage. Because the thing is that there are some marriages where, but for the wife really making sure to keep this going, there wouldn't be the same kind of intimacy that really does buoy a marriage. And so the, the sexual intimacy is good for the marriage as a whole. And so if she's playing her part to say, come on, let's, let's do, let's do this, then that could benefit him and the marriage as well. Absolutely. And you've even created an online community for women who might be able to connect with you and take this conversation further. So will you share just what is that goal of your online community for Higher Drive Wives and where can people find it? 
Yeah. So the real desire here was to put together a group of women who could talk about these things, honestly, openly share tips, share concerns, uh, share wins, victories, <laughs> and disappointments as well. And so a recent person who joined, she called it a sisterhood. And I really like that. It is that way. So we provide all those things and I will share tips and I'll share what I'm learning, what I'm working on. We also have a Bible study that we go through there with a, a devotional book that we're going through and just a lot of encouragement in sharing with each other. And, you know, sometimes it'll just be somebody who shares, I'm having a rough day. I Anybody have ideas on how to handle this? And so then you get that's just the support. It's really a great support site. And it can be found at hdwives.hotholyhumorous.com. Or if it's easier, just head to my website, hotholyhumorous.com. And you will see on the landing page information about how to get over to the community. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. We will link to that in the show notes for today's episode. But Jay, I have one final question for you because we are called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge. And so I would love to know what is your Savvy Sauce? So I don't know if this is very much knowledge, but it's certainly a practical thing. And I think that is humor, just the beauty of humor. And how that can help you in your whole life, but also in your sex life. You know, I think that if you can treat this with some playfulness, some lightheartedness, some joy, I just think that people will experience better sex and be more in line with God's design for sex. You even modeled that so well within friendship, too, on your one of your podcasts, called it Sex oh, yes. Chats for Christian Wives, which I highly recommend. Right. But Jay, you are just refreshingly candid and you are funny and full of helpful answers. <laughs> thank you. I'm just very grateful for this time that we got to spend together. So thank you for being my guest today. Yes. And if somebody wants to check out the Sex Chat for Christian Wives, who is a Higher Desire Wife, we have one specific episode on that, although we I talk about it plenty on all the episodes. Well, not all the episodes, but plenty of them. But if they wanted to go ahead and just check out that episode to get a taste of what our podcast is like, that would be great. Wonderful. I will link to your podcast as well. So thank you again for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news. And I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so He cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from Him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a Savior. But God loved us so much, He made a way for His only Son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with Him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us, 
so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished, if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.